everybody. What's happening? And welcome to another episode of the GCSAA podcast. I hope you are safe and healthy wherever it is you are listening to this podcast. My name is Scott Hollister. I'm the editor-in-chief of GCSAA's Golf Course Management Magazine and the host of this podcast. And I really appreciate you taking the time to download and listen today. If you haven't already, uh, please go out and subscribe, rate and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. It really does help us out when you do that. It also helps other people find us who might share similar interest as you have. So once again, please subscribe, rate, and review. Before we get going, a tip of the cap to our good friends at Bayer Environmental Science, the presenting partners in the GCSAA podcast. As superintendents all over the country will tell you, Bayer is a company focused on providing technical expertise and innovative solutions for superintendents that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' job easier. Great example of that is the innovation that you will find in uh, their stress guard line of fungicide products. To learn more about those products and the company as a whole, please go over to environmentalscience.bear.us slash stress guard. Once again, that is environmentalscience.bear.us slash stress guard. On this episode of the GCSA podcast, we welcome Gary D'Amato. Gary is the senior writer uh, with Killarney Golf Media and writes uh, frequently for one of their flagship products, Wisconsin.Golf. Gary is a uh, award-winning and very well-respected uh, longtime golf rider. Prior to joining Killarney Golf Media in 2018, he spent 26 years as the golf rider with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Gary's covered more than 75 major championships and counting. Um, as long as the uh, the golf seasons resume here at some point, uh, that includes uh, every Masters since 1993, and I think we're all a little, a little jealous of that. He is one of three golf riders who's been inducted into the Wisconsin Golf Hall of Fame, a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and on the uh, national scale, he is active in the Golf Writers Association of America. Gary's a current board member in that group. Uh, will be president here in just a few years, and he is a multiple-time award winner in the Golf Writers Association writing contest. He's author, authored two books, and he also authored a story that kind of prompted my call to Gary to see if he would uh, do a guest stint on the podcast. And that's a story he posted just a few weeks ago that's entitled Feeling Super. A morning on the grounds crew at the Oaks Golf Course gives me an appreciation for the men and women who tend to our courses. And as the headline suggests, Gary took a little spin helping out the crew at the Oaks Golf Course, which is located uh, in Cottage Grove, Wisconsin, just outside of Madison, where Gary lives. Um, Gary's been a longtime friend of the profession, friend of the superintendent, um, really good to us here at GCSAA. He's uh, kind of a shadowed superintendents at various majors before, but this was his first opportunity to actually climb on the back of a fairway mower to, uh, to get some um, uh, mowing done on a greens. And so he kind of writes about that experience. So when someone uh, is as well-respected as Gary in the general golf media uh, takes an interest in that, we felt it would be a great opportunity to have a good conversation with, uh, with Gary about his experience and a whole bunch of other topics. Super great guy. I think you're going to really enjoy it. The conversation with Gary D'Amato, senior writer with Killarney Golf Media and Wisconsin.Golf. And without further ado, we're going to get right to that chat with Gary. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I've had a, a, a lot of uh, folks from the golf media on my wish list for the podcast and uh, been circling guys that, that we've worked with before, the, uh, Jeff Shackelford, uh, uh, Matt Janella, Damon Hack, uh, uh, folks that have done some stuff with GCSA before. But Gary, you, you are the trendsetter, the, the, the first member of the, uh, uh, I guess, the consumer golf media to join us. So, uh, so you, you've got that feather in your cap, I guess. 
I got that going for me. Yeah, I'm honored. It's uh, I'm happy to be on with you, Scott. Yeah, yeah, you put you put that on your resume, but uh, I won't embarrass you. I won't <laughs> I won't bore the listeners because I, I kind of gave them a full uh, rundown uh, of your resume prior uh, in, in the intro to the podcast. But uh, honored to have uh, Gary D'Amato. Gary's a senior writer with Killarney Golf Media. Uh, writes primarily for Wisconsin.golf, and that sort of prompted um, my desire to have Gary on. Um, he is. Uh, he wrote a story very recently for the website about an experience he had, kind of doing a ride along uh, with a superintendent and the crew uh, at a golf course in the Milwaukee area, and we'll we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But uh, a long and storied career for for Gary, almost uh, um, almost thirty years uh, with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, covered more uh, major championships than you probably can remember. Gary, including the Masters, and we'll kind of get uh, get to all that. But uh, uh, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to join us. How's, first off, I guess we will just start with uh, <clears throat> what's probably on everyone's mind. Uh, how how are things in Milwaukee? Uh, how has how has the coronavirus and all of the COVID nineteen stuff uh, uh, impacted uh, the golf industry up your way? Well, obviously, as it has everywhere, it's it's had a tremendous impact on golf courses, which were. Uh, which were and are still closed, according to our governor, Tony Evers, um, stay for at home mandate. Although just yesterday, um, he modified it so that golf courses will be able to open next Friday, April 24th. Although with, you know, strict guidelines that everybody has talked about and knows about by now, social distancing, uh, clubhouses not being open, um, you know, tea times made online, pay, payment in advance, that sort of thing. But interestingly, um, the county executive in Milwaukee County um, just announced later in the day that Milwaukee County courses will still remain closed because of the pandemic. So you've got courses statewide being open now starting next Friday, except courses in Milwaukee will remain closed. So um, it's just interesting what's going on everywhere, here, here and everywhere. Yeah, it's it's such a... I mean, it's a, it's a confusing situation for for all golf operators, whether those are owners, general managers, superintendents. I mean, I, you know, we've done a ton of work to try and, and keep our members uh, updated on what's being allowed uh, and what's not being allowed, and it just you know, it differs from state to state. It differs within states, as you're describing. It differs from community uh, to community, and um, uh, you know, and then and then it changes so quickly and. Uh, you know, we, we I totally understood we were originally going to record this a day earlier, um, but as we approached our time to, to get together, um, the story in your state broke and you had to turn your attention to that. And um, it's something I know that we've been reporting on uh, as well. So, so crazy, crazy times. Um, I, I was going to ask you, we are, we're basically, as we record this, a week removed from what would have been uh, Masters Week. Uh, it would have been, I guess, your 27th consecutive, or were you playing, first off, were you planning on attending uh the Masters had it uh, taken place in April. Yes, I was. I had a. I, I stay in a in a private house with three other sports writers, and had sent my check in. And uh, I always drive down there. I, I just really enjoy the drive down to Augusta, um, and I try to play golf along the way, and maybe play on the way home. And so I was really. It would have been my twenty eighth consecutive Masters and twenty ninth overall. But um, I'm hopeful that I'll still get to go to Augusta in, in November for the for the Masters. Yeah, that that was it was an interesting week. Did you did you spend any time watching any of the replays that Golf Channel showed, and then obviously CBS on the weekend, um, and I believe online also uh, had some uh, kind of more historic uh, 
planes of the Masters. Did you did you check out any of that? And how how different was it to not be in uh, North Georgia uh, that week uh, of April? Yeah, you know, I actually did what, Sunday. I watched the the replay of the final round from last year with uh, with Jim Nance and, and Tiger Woods live discussing, uh, you know, remotely. Um, kind of going picking Tiger's brain as as he went through the back nine there what he was thinking and I thought that was thought it was really good I mean uh, a a pretty good substitute for of course there's nothing like the final round of the Masters live but I thought that was a pretty good substitute and it's the first time I really watched the the final round you know start to finish because when I was covering it last year and Tiger was winning I was you know running back and forth to the golf course and trying to get some of the telecast in but you know doing other things and. So it was nice to be able to sit down and watch the uh, watch the that whole back nine there. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. I thought Tiger had some uh, really interesting insights. Uh, it, it cracked me up when he uh, after the after he had won it on the broadcast and they came back for some further conversations. He had found the the green jacket and put that on. Which I mean, heck, more power to him. I would do the exact same thing if uh, if I were in in that position. But uh, really enjoyed it, and it's interesting to go back and and the sorts of things that you that you don't remember. I was talking to some friends uh, who also watched it, and um, I had just uh, either not remembered or it it kind of slipped my mind the way that back nine had played out, and that he really had didn't take the lead. Uh, uh, until that birdie on 15, and they followed it up by almost almost jarring it on, on 16. And um, it, the way my brain had told me is that oh well, Tiger, you know, started to make his move earlier on the back nine, but he he really didn't. He didn't. But although you know, I remember distinctly last year when he uh, you know when he hit it safely on the green on number 12, and all those other guys had hit or would would be hitting into the water on that hole. Right. I remember watching him leaning on his putter and. Uh, I just I had a feeling at that point that he was going to go on to win because he seemed to be in complete control and the other guys were making mistakes, particularly on, on twelve. And um, I just thought, yeah, you know, he was he was going to take command of the tournament, and he he did from that point on. Yeah, it was uh, uh, certainly that you could see that experience and that level of uh, composure that he had uh, coming down and not that the other guys were, were losing their mind. You know, Molinari has, has majors, um, but boy, that, but 12, the 12 played so, so difficult last year and uh, um, really, really kind of proved to be a, a, a turning point um, in the tournament. But yeah, it was fun, fun to go back. I, I think everyone is obviously eager, eager to be there for the real thing. Uh, hopefully come November and uh, you know, long way to go between, uh, now and then, but uh, fingers crossed that all of the all of the majors. We've been doing a lot of work with the folks over at Harding Park in advance of the PGA. Um, uh, hopefully, coming uh, in, in August. So, uh, but uh, well enough enough reminiscing. Uh, Gary, I guess I'll let you reminisce a little bit more. But uh, maybe just a, a Reader's Digest version of your golf story. How did you uh, How did you get involved? Um, you a lifelong golfer, and and what led you to a career in journalism, and then just a long career as a golf writer. Yeah, uh, I I am a lifelong golfer. I, I started actually at about age fourteen. Played on my high school golf team and uh, made the made the uh, golf team at University of Wisconsin Whitewater my freshman year, but didn't play in any matches. And uh, I didn't go out for the team after that because I could see I just wasn't nearly as good as the guys on the team. But I um, played very very little competitive golf. But I've always loved the game. Um, have worked in newspapers since 1978. And when I got to the Milwaukee Journal, which later merged with the, the, the Sentinel to form the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I got there in 1990 
And in 92, the guy who had the golf beat there um, left for another paper, and the sports editor asked me if I'd like the golf beat. I said I would, and he said, well, get on a plane. You're going to the U.S. Open next week. And so my very first golf <laughs> coverage was winning the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach, and I've been sort of at it ever since, I guess. And you've, I mean, you've been very, very involved uh, uh, on the board of directors with the Golf Writers Association of America, which uh, many of, several of us on the uh, uh, GCM staff are, are members of uh, as, as well. Um, how, how did your involvement uh, at that level get uh, start? And um, I, I don't know how many of the listeners are, are familiar with what the Golf Writers Association does, but uh, um, how did you get, how did you first get involved with that organization? Yeah, I think I joined the organization a, a year or two after I started covering golf in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, so I'm a longtime member. And uh, somebody nominated me for the board a few years ago. I don't know who it was. Probably made a mistake. But uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to serve on the board. Uh, I'm the membership director and uh, I'm the second vice president. So in a couple of years, I'll be hopefully... If I'm still working and we still have uh, golf is still being played somewhere, I'll be on That's right. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased. It's a great organization. Um, we do a lot of things, you know, behind the scenes to promote um, relations between uh, the media and the, and the various tours. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, and it's it's been great for us because we've been able to come in and, and help forge relationships um, with with golf uh golf media members uh, all over the country and just bring, you know, you know, our main hope is to provide them a resource um, and, and information on golf course uh, maintenance, golf course conditioning and the job of the superintendent. And that is a, that's what in the business called a segue into uh, uh, some questions I had kind of about your experiences uh, recently uh, at the, uh, at the Oaks golf course uh, there in the Milwaukee area. Uh, Gary wrote a story. You can find it by going to wisconsin.golf. Headline on the story is Feeling Super, a morning on the grounds crew at the Oaks uh, Golf Course. Gives me an appreciation for the men and women who tend to our courses. Uh, I will tell you that a headline was very well received at GCSA headquarters, Gary. Um, but uh, had you done it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we love that kind of stuff. Have you ever had you ever done anything like that before? Um, maybe not uh, climbing on the back of the mowers like you did this time, but uh, had you ever done any shadowing, uh, any previous exposure to uh, to superintendents? A little bit. Um, you know, I've covered some of the major championships here in, in Wisconsin at Whistling Straits, the PGA Championships and uh, and the U.S. Open um, at Aaron Hills a couple of years ago. And um, <clears throat> I spent a morning with the with the the superintendent and the and his crew at Whistling Straits as they readied the course for the PGA Championship a few years back and wrote about that experience. Um, but this was the first time I ever actually got on equipment um, other than my my own tractor that I used to, to cut my own backyard, which is not <laughs> being used to to cut golf courses. So it was a, it was a learning curve, and I was a little bit nervous, but uh, I don't think I put too many uh, hacks in the fairway turf or, or the greens. So I'm thankful for that. Well, I did a very similar thing when I years and years ago when I first started at GCSAA and uh, uh, got an opportunity to help volunteer at the uh, 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 2000 U.S. Open at, at Pebble Beach, and I, I really had never done anything. So, uh, I'm very fortunate that the local golf course let me come out on the weekends in advance, and and they put me to work, mowed greens, and cut cups, and set tees, and all that fun stuff, and. 
Uh, not that they were ever going to let me mow a green at a U.S. Open, but um, how, how, so <laughs> no, they they basically put a rake in my hand and let me uh, rake bunkers and fix divots. That was my that was my main my main job. But uh, how did so how did this particular opportunity uh, come about? Was it something that that you were interested in pursuing? Did did you have a uh, relationships with folks at the club uh, that that kind of facilitated that? Yeah, you know, I, I've been looking, I've been writing a lot about how coronavirus, how COVID-19 has been impacting the golf industry. And I uh, sort of was looking for some different stories. And coincidentally, uh, a, a guy who does some public relations work for the Oaks, which is near Madison, by the way, our state capital, uh, he just texted me or emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested in some an offbeat story, you know, climbing aboard a fairway mower and learning how to use a greens cutter and um, greens mower. And uh, just the experience of it and, and see what it was like. And I, I thought now is the perfect time to do something like this. You know, the golf courses, unfortunately, aren't, aren't open or weren't open at that time. But the superintendent and his, his staff obviously still have to cut the grass. And so I thought it would make for a fun story, first-person story of uh, me climbing aboard these machines and learning how to use them. So I, I happily accepted. And uh, it turned out to be a, a fun morning and a fun story to write. Uh, were, were you there at the crack of dawn? And and, and I, I I recall from the story you I see you didn't do that. Th- those are the fun ones to get be there at you know five a.m. But I guess when you're not actually preparing for uh for any golfers at this time, I, I think the hours may have shifted for for some of those guys. But exactly what did they do? They had you do fairways, uh, greens. Did you do anything else? No, uh, fairways and greens. I uh, I, I watched them cut a part of a green and then they explained how the greens mower worked. And then I got to try my hand on it and my line wasn't very straight. And, um, <laughs> but it, it also, I don't think was too bad either. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the general manager of the Oaks gave me a solid B as a grade. So I was happy with that. <laughs> um, I went to the fairway, um, mower, the big Toro real master that they had me on. And I, I was a little nervous. I watched, uh, one of the, uh, one of the grounds guys make a couple passes with it on the sixth fairway. And then he said, okay, your turn. And, uh, he explained how it worked and I climbed in and, uh, off we went. He jogged alongside me just in case I would have some kind of terrible accident. He would be able to take over, but it actually wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. And, uh, you know, it actually was fun. And I can see, I can see how people could get sort of addicted to cutting grass, putting some headsets, you know, headset on and maybe listening to music and going up and down the fairway at five in the morning. I think that would be very relaxing. I think I could I could easily see myself doing that in retirement as like a part time job. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it is it does get in your blood, and it's super interesting once you get over the fact that you're you know the alarm went off at you know, some of these majors that 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 I've been uh, around and uh, have have covered. I mean, yeah, your alarm goes off at at you know three three thirty four a.m. in the morning, and you, but uh, you know just. Like this last, this past June, uh, I did some behind the scenes coverage at, at Pebble during the U.S. Open, and yeah, it was hard to get yourself there. But it, it, you want a place that's pretty. It, it, there's few more, few places more spectacular as the sun is coming up than than, than Pebble Beach, and you, you totally get the the addiction um, and, and what what gets into the blood of these guys when when you get a chance to do stuff like that. For sure, you know, and I. I guess in our state we have Whistling Straits, which is sort of our Pebble Beach. And that morning, I sent on spent early in the morning on the grounds crew there before the PGA. Yeah, the sun came up over the lake, and you're right; it's a it's a beautiful place to be, no doubt. 
so uh, from that experience, from those experiences you had at Whistling Straits, uh, do you have, do you have any big takeaways? Did or did you learn anything, or just develop a deeper appreciation that you know? Wow, maybe this this could impact you know the way I write about golf, the things that I write about uh, uh, in the future. Yeah, that's a good question. I think my big takeaway um, is that I think superintendents and the people who maintain golf courses don't get nearly enough credit for, uh, you know, they, they always get the blame if there's a, if something happens and goes, something goes wrong and, and, you know, there's, there's a mark on a green or something happens with equipment. Uh, they, they're quick to get the blame, but I don't think people appreciate all the hard work that goes into prepping a golf course for daily play. It's, um, it's it's really amazing, and I think we take it for granted when we, as golfers, show up and stick our peg in the ground on the first tee, and and the tee is cut perfectly, the fairway is beautiful, the greens are are smooth and pure, and running eleven on the stint meter. I think golfers take all that stuff for granted, and um and I've learned that there's a lot of work goes into it, and um, those those men and women don't get nearly enough credit for it. Yeah, it's uh. It- it's it's a, a pretty uh, amazing thing and and what get, what goes into it and, and the dedication that that those men and women have uh, to, to what they do and uh, uh, as I mentioned we always we always like the opportunity to when uh, uh, the general golf media gets a chance to, to do that just uh, kind of give some little deeper appreciation of everything that goes into the game that, that they're covering uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and then we will be right back I want to ask Gary about the state of uh, the golf industry in Wisconsin want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about our friends at Bear Environmental Science, the presenting partner in the GCSAA podcast. As superintendents who have worked with Bear and used their products over the years will certainly tell you, the company is committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that both improve turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. Among those innovative solutions are the StressGuard line of fungicides that provide consistent, predictable performance in controlling disease and promoting plant health. StressGuard fungicides offer immediate aesthetic benefits and long-lasting improvements to turf quality, color, density, and overall health for a better, more consistent plane surface. And even in unpredictable times such as these, Bayer is ready to support your efforts on the golf course with a dedicated team of professionals who can provide technical and agronomic expertise, not to mention the products and services you depend on to get the job done. To learn more about how Bayer is responding to COVID-19, visit environmentalscience.bear.us slash turf and ornamentals management slash community hub and to learn more about stress guard fungicides and how they redefine ordinary visit environmentalscience.bear.us slash stress guard once again our thanks to everyone at bear for their ongoing support of the gcsaa podcast now let's get back to our chat with wisconsin.golf's gary damato gary I i want to talk to you a little bit you've you've kind of had a front row seat to a state that has really been wholly transformed as it comes to its its place uh, in, in the golf in the golf world, I, I think you know probably when you first started. I mean, this this the state uh, was probably most notable for the uh, Greater Milwaukee Open, maybe that it hosted on the PGA Tour. I know there had been a handful of other uh, big events, uh, Brown Deer Park, um, obviously most uh, golfers and golf fans around the country would know that, but. Um, 
gosh, since then, the last 20 years, now you've got you've got Black Wolf Run, you've got Whistling Straits, uh, Aaron Hills, which we've talked about both of those, Sand Valley now. Um, we actually have a story in our May issue, which as I as we record this, we just finished up on the on the renovation work at Stevens Point Country Club. Um, there, uh, there's been countless major championships. Uh, uh, in the state uh, now, U.S. Open PGA Championship. There's a Ryder Cup upcoming. Uh, there's been a U.S. Women Open, Women's Open, a U.S. Senior Open, U.S. Amateur. So, so, so why Wisconsin, Gary? Uh, what uh, as you sat there? I know it's a big, a big question, but uh, and there's lots of parts to that. But uh, what do you think fueled um, turning the state really into into one of the country's uh, golf hotbeds? You know, if you would have told me what was going to happen 30 years ago in our state, I would have laughed. I never would have thought that this is, would all be possible or even imaginable. And I think, you know, the impetus for everything, I think you have to give uh, the Kohler Company and Mr. Kohler credit for building, taking somewhat of a gamble in building um, Black Wolf Run first and then Whistling Straits. And I'll never forget at the 1998 U.S. Women's Open, which was the first major championship of really played in Wisconsin since 1933 when Gene Sarazen won the uh, PGA championship at Blue Mountain Golf and Country Club. So there was this pent-up demand among Wisconsin um, golf fans for major championship golf. And when the U.S. Women's Open was held at Black Wolf Run in 1998, um, they actually were not prepared for the number of people who showed up on that first, uh, you know, one of those first practice round days that the uh, the cars right. were lined up on the freeway trying to get on the off the exit ramps and um, and they just uh, it just blew people away. It, it set all kinds of records for spectators and revenue for U.S. Women's Open and obviously the golf organizations were paying attention. And um, Mr. Kohler then landed the PGA Championship in 2004, which promptly set records for revenue and attendance for a PGA. So um, if not for that, if not for Kohler building those courses, probably none of this happens. Even the original owner of Aaron Hills, Bob Lang, said he probably would not have built Aaron Hills had it not been for the model that was in place, the template up in Kohler, Wisconsin. So a lot of this goes back to Kohler and what he did in the late 80s and early 90s, and it's just mushroomed since then. Yeah, and I, I think that... Um the people that that build and conceive of golf courses uh, discovered a you know a, some natural areas, natural pieces of land uh, in Wisconsin that are just uh, tailor made for the kind of minimalistic, dramatic golf design that that's that's so popular right now. And I mean, you, you obviously Whistling Straits um, is a spectacular piece of property uh, with with Pitai. Um, You've got Aaron Hills, uh, Sand Valley, Mike Kaiser, and all, and all of that. That that's that's just the visuals from that uh, are just are just unbelievable. And I, I don't know that many people knew or appreciated that. Did did, did people that have lived in, live in Wisconsin have been there a long time appreciate some of those natural um, features that they had that would be so attractive to to golf uh, uh, operators and designers. Well, you know, it's interesting as as a lifelong Wisconsin resident, um, I didn't even know that in the middle of our state, um, in prehistoric times, millions of years ago, there was a huge, huge prehistoric lake that, you know, broke its dam at some point and the water spilled out. And um, 
And it, and that lake was there for millions of years. And because of that, there's the sand in the middle of our state. It's the sand barrens. There's sand 200 feet deep in, in parts of our state. I never knew that until Sand Valley was built. And that's the land that the Kaisers discovered. And um, you stand in the middle of that property and you would never think you're in Wisconsin. You'd think you're in Montana or, you know, or, or, or maybe the Carolinas where there's a lot of sand, but it's, um, it looks entirely different than other parts of our state. And I never knew that sand was there. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't either. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great, obviously sand is a great, uh, great to build golf courses on. And, and the courses there that the Kaisers have built are truly spectacular. Yeah. And, and with each, with each subsequent, uh, new property or renovated property, some of the photos that we're featuring in our story on the Stevens point, uh, renovation project um there are hints of every of the kind of things that you see at sand valley that you see at uh aaron hills and whistling straits where um it used to be this old school tree line country club um unfortunately they had uh an issue with the herbicide in prelis that uh killed almost 2,500 trees on the property and required them to be removed. But they, they used the money from the settlement to, to, to fund this, this awesome renovation. And what they did is they opened up some of those, some of those really neat sandscapes. And, and it's, just, it's just really cool. And I, I think for folks outside of Wisconsin now, now they can look at that and they say, hey, that's a great summer trip for, uh, for golf fans, uh, even if there's no majors going on. I mean, Within a span of a week, you can play some of the most unbelievable courses um, uh, in the country, all all within driving distance. Although, San, I think Sand Valley is a bit of a haul from um, uh, Aaron Hills and uh, uh, Whistling Straits, Black Wolf Run, in that area. But um, now, when you're out and about, um, how has how have con- conversations about golf in Wisconsin changed between when you started and the, the sorts of things you hear in the media centers now? Yeah, we, you know, Wisconsin was basically a flyover state um, until fairly recently, you know, until the colder stuff went up the last 25, 30 years. And now it's become a destination, a true international destination. Uh, the courses at Sand Valley and, and uh, the colder courses and Aaron Hills are attracting golfers, not only from the United States, but from all over the world. And and you're right that century that Stevens Point Country Club redo is is going to is fantastic and it's right next to Century World another another fantastic golf course owned by Century Insurance um, so there's a lot of great golf there's a golf course in the middle of our state called Lasonia which is an old uh, Langford Murrow design probably regarded generally as their best their best golf course and in in my opinion it's maybe the best hundred under $100 golf course um, that you can play in our country. It's really spectacular. So there is a lot of, a lot of good golf in our state and people are starting to, to discover it. There's no doubt about it. Well, you're a very lucky man uh, getting to be there amidst all that, uh, all that uh, spectacular golf. Um, and uh, I'll wrap up uh, Gary with this and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Ryder cup, talk about a spectacular event. And I know the folks uh, at whistling straits, you know, my conversations with the uh, Chris Zugel and the guy and the guys, um, Mike Lee uh, in the maintenance department at whistling straight could not be more excited uh, about it. I know the state was excited. Um, and now there's a, obviously a, a, an air of uncertainty about it. Now, I guess I will give them credit because that Ryder Cup, those dates are, are maybe the only dates of a major golf event uh, this year that didn't change. They are you are still set 
uh, September 25th through the 27th. So I guess I'll just ask you, what, what are you hearing uh, up there? Um, I think everyone's hopeful uh, that that event uh, w- will go off, but but what is, what's the talk um, in the state of Wisconsin uh, about the state uh, of the Ryder Cup this year? Everybody is extremely excited. Golf fans are, are very excited about this. We realize it's a once-in-a-lifetime proposition. Um, and, you know, it's especially uh, exciting that Steve Stricker, a Wisconsin native who lives in Madison, is is the U.S. team captain. So there are a lot of reasons for people to be pumped up about the Ryder Cup in our state. And um, you're, you're right. We have to keep our fingers crossed that those dates are still good and that uh, we get a handle, the nation gets a handle on the COVID-19 pandemic. And at some point, you know, we get it turned around and we're able to to congregate in crowds. Um, because as we all know, spectators at the Ryder Cup, that's one of the huge ingredients that makes it what it is. And um, you, you cannot play that event, in my opinion, without spectators. So we have to get to the point where it's safe for large numbers of people to be on a golf course. And um, we're all hoping here in Wisconsin that that's the case later this year and that um, there will be a pent-up excitement for that Ryder Cup. I can tell you that because uh, people are just waiting for golf to be uh, the golf tournaments to be played again. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on the spectators, in particular with the uh, uh, with the Ryder Cup. That's just such an integral part of, of what makes that event so special. Uh, I know just as of yesterday, again, as we record this, and, and we've mentioned this several times, things keep changing. But as of yesterday, uh, the uh, PGA Tour announced it, uh, its uh, at least tentative plans uh, to resume in June. And their first, uh, I think, at least four events uh, are currently uh, scheduled to be played um uh, without fans, and I, I, I do, th- I do think if that's the first, if if the the tour is the first professional sport that's able to re- to resume, I, I, I think the uh, the the TV ratings could be could be crazy for that. Just I think people just chomping at the bit for for any sort of live uh, uh, sports action. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think uh, I think TV ratings are going to be outstanding, probably for the, those early tournaments, much much higher than they would have been, you know, in a normal scenario. And especially when we get to the major championships now played later in the year. Uh, we just got some unfortunate news yesterday that the American Family Insurance Championship, hosted by Steve Stricker in Madison, uh, it's a Champions Tour event that's been hugely successful, has raised you know tons of money for charity, uh, has been canceled for this year. So that was a little bit of bad news yesterday. But I guess the good news is that eventually at some point this year, you know, we'll see tournament golf and uh Hopefully, the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think everyone's uh, looking forward to that. I know that our our members are looking forward to a, a little bit of normalcy. And actually, uh, as much as uh, some of them have, I think, appreciated not having the uh, the foot traffic or cart traffic from golfers and just getting to uh, maintain a, a 120 acres of, of beautiful turf, um, they they realize the the business aspect of this. They want they want some normalcy. They want to get back to it. And so, hopefully, that'll take place. And hopefully, we'll have a, a kind of a spectacular. Uh, uh, a major championship uh, season, uh, including the Ryder Cup. So, uh, Gary D'Amato, Gary, senior writer with Killarney Golf Media, uh, writes primarily for Wisconsin.golf. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. Glad you got a chance to mow some, uh, mow some fairways, mow some greens. Uh, you're going to get any of that equipment for your for your home property now? I wish. I have my lawn done in about five minutes if I could get on one of those big Toros. That would be <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that, that's the most intimidating part of that whole thing. Is just the you see the the sheer size of that, and I'm like, I'm I'm used to my 22 inch lawn boy back home, and now I got this this massive tank I'm driving. So glad glad you didn't cause much any, any damage. Uh, again, appreciate your time. Stay safe up there, and uh, uh, look forward to uh, to speaking to you again real soon. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, you bet. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the GCSAA podcast, episode number 22. My thanks to Gary D'Amato from Killarney Golf Media and Wisconsin.Golf for joining us today. Again, if you want to read the story that first caught my attention um, and had me reaching out to Gary to be on the podcast, head over to the website, that's Wisconsin.Golf, and look for the story entitled Feeling Super. A morning on the grounds crew at the Oaks Golf Course gives me an appreciation for the men and women who tend to our courses. It's a great read. I think you'll really enjoy it, so go and check that out. Before we head out today, a quick plug for the archives of the GCSA podcast. If you've somehow managed to watch everything on Netflix or Amazon Prime and you're looking for a little content to pass the time as we all continue to make our way through quarantines and stay-at-home orders and whatnot, uh, I guarantee you're going to find something that will interest you uh, in the archives of the GCSA podcast. So wherever you get your podcast, just go there, uh, look for the previous episodes uh, link, click that, and you can go through all the previous content that we have produced here at the GCSAA podcast. We'll be back really soon with new episodes of the GCSA podcast, but until that happens, on behalf of our producer, Evan Bissell, the good folks at Bayer who partner with GCSA in the production of this podcast and everyone at GCSAA, I'm Scott Hollister. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you again real soon on another episode of the GCSA podcast. Stay safe, everybody.